What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a moment to go over our NFC East preview for the 2023 NFL season. If you missed the podcast last week, we tackled the AFC and NFC North. A couple of fun podcasts there. And then this Saturday, we have the AFC East podcast coming out. So just a reminder, you get two episodes of Fouled Out a week. Every week leading up to September 4th, the first week of the NFL season, where we're going to drop the picks pod, as well as our week one preview. Uh, So you don't want to miss any of those. In the meantime, we recently set up an email address, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you guys. We really appreciate you listening, and we'd love to get your feedback on the podcast, what's working, what's not working. One of the things we do for these preview podcasts is a bold prediction for every division in the NFL. We would love to hear your bold predictions for the NFL season. I had a couple conversations the last couple of weeks with listeners over what their bold predictions are, and we got some really good ones that we're going to start listing off on the podcast as well. Uh, so reach out to us, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. Send us your bold predictions. Let us know how many games you think your favorite team is going to win this season uh, and where Matt and I are correct, where we're wrong, and what's working for you and what's not working for you on the podcast. We'd really love to hear from you. But for now, Matt is coming on to go over the NFC East. Let's go. All right, Matt is here, ready to talk some NFC East. Matt, is there like a division in football that you cumulatively dislike more than the nfc east uh it it would be really difficult to dislike one more than this just because of how much it's force fed on primetime tv like every single week one of these teams will be on primetime tv i do feel like no matter how good or bad the division is that it is like the most hated on division in football. I mean, primarily because it has the Cowboys in it. Yeah. But like, yeah, I think you're right that there's like a general fatigue of like every week there's a prime time. It's like, seems like every week there's a prime time game featuring one of the really like one of three teams, the Eagles, the Cowboys or the giants Mm -hmm. that damn East coast elite media guys and Dallas. (laughs) <laughs> Dallas is East Coast, right? It, it's the most confusing division <laughs> in football because, like, you look at where the teams are, and it's it like, makes okay, no sense geographically whatsoever. With Pennsylvania, Dallas. New York, and Washington D.C. Perfect. Who else is yep. going to be in this division? Well, clearly Dallas. Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> There's absolutely no reason why, uh, you know, it couldn't have been like Atlanta. Honestly, I believe that like the reason that this division is force fed down our throat so much is because like when all the people who currently program television were growing up, these were like the dominant teams. Yeah. And that for the most part, especially with like Washington and Dallas, they're like legacy brands that aren't dominant anymore. But people like fondly remember them like. It's like uh, college football when you talk about like USC or like Texas or like these big brands who were once a thing when we were growing up. And it's like, 
eh, they're not real. Are they really blue bloods anymore? Like there's an argument to be had. Definitely. Uh, at least a couple of those have really lost the luster of their former glory. However, one of those teams might have an opportunity to re-earn it. So our first segment is uh, the big storylines, right? Yep. Um, so what's your biggest storyline for yeah. the NFC East? Ding dong, that bitch is dead. Daniel Snyder is no longer affiliated with the football team that resides in Washington because they're going to keep changing their fucking name. Even though we gave them the best name they possibly could have come up with in the fighting Georges. My favorite part about the whole Dan Snyder being out thing, aside yeah. from the fact that Dan Snyder is out, <laughs> is that they actually might have to change their name again. Yeah. Uh, I think that like the trademark stuff is getting cleared up. Like they'll probably settle on mm-hmm. that. Especially because like, did you read the trademark lawsuit? No, I just thought it was funny. It, like long story short, there's a guy who lives in uh, somewhere in like Maryland area who owns the rights to the names like the space commanders and the wolf commanders. And they've decided that people might get those confused with the Washington commanders. <laughs> so there's, like, there's a trademark <laughs> infringement issue. So they're, they'll probably settle that. But the, the real reason they might actually change their name is because uh, Josh Harris, the new owner or the new majority owner of the Washington team might want to just do away with absolutely everything Dan Snyder, including their horrible choice of name. So but that that's not the dumbest idea anyone's ever come up with. It's not. And I just want to use this as our official pitch to Josh Harris. Is that like, dude, you're going to go out and spend an absolutely ridiculous amount of money for a marketing firm to come up with a new team name for you guys. And it's going to suck. Yeah, for sure. For the low price of $5 million, you can own the Fighting Georges. We will sell you the IP. Matt and I will split the money 50-50 and we're done. You have the best, you have the best team name in the NFL and you don't have to waste money on marketing professionals. Can you imagine how dope the merch would look for the Fighting Georges? I've already mocked it up. It's like the little fighting Irish guy, except yeah. it's George, George Washington and like a powdered wig and a colonial like uniform beating the crap out of a red coat. colonial tank top, <laughs> colonial tank top and some shutter shades beating up a red coat. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful artwork. It's a go- it's like the best idea. And yet Dan Snyder passed on it to go with the commanders, which everybody hated. Yeah, I mean, even like his really high profile recent graphic was openly against it. It's so bad. And the mascot's even worse. It's like that pig that was like, yeah, general Tutty was his name. You could have fighting George on your sideline. Right. This was your chance to get away from being pigs. And you're like, okay, we'll be pigs. 
but different. The the symbology of Dan Snyder's football team having a pig as a mascot is actually like it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. What could be more poetic, honestly? No, but I do think that there's actually like a football point to this though, besides us all just celebrating that Dan Snyder is no longer yeah. an owner after all of the horrible things he did to the people that work in that organization. Mm-hmm. Especially I, the females. When you have like, I mean, we saw this with like the Clippers. Um, you see it with mm-hmm. like coaches more often than owners. But like when you have that type of presence in your locker room or like in your organization, yeah. it weighs on everybody. Yeah. And when you're free of that, it's like a weight's lifted off your shoulders and like, does that translate onto the field this year? Who knows? But like, I feel like everybody in that organization is going to be way happier and work way harder Yeah. now that he's gone. It, there, There's going to be an addition by subtraction there. Like, quite frankly, for years now, they've had a pretty talented roster uh, to varying degrees. That roster hasn't performed at a level that you would expect it to with the talent level that it has. And I think Daniel Snyder definitely had something to do with that. I'm sure he also was meddling way more than he needed to be meddling as well. And, you know, I I look at the kind of impact that his absence could have in combination with what they have there. And like they're a team that certainly could be one that you want to keep an eye on all year long just because like they could be on the upswing while other teams in that division might be on the downswing. So they are actually one of the most interesting teams to me this year. Oh, absolutely. You know, we'll go over it a little bit more in win ranges, but the combination of like, so Dan Snyder has gone. You were able to steal Eric the from the chiefs. Uh, Now he's your offensive coordinator. So like, there's so many, I actually was having a conversation with a Washington fan the other day. Uh, we were talking about like bold picks for yeah those guys are back now yeah there's there's a couple <laughs> now, of them that are now that now that Daniel's gone they're not afraid to admit it anymore but <laughs> he was saying that there's so many ifs with the team it's like how good is Eric Bieniemy without yeah. Andy Reid can yeah. Sam Howell be good like can the defense take a step forward is the receiving core with like Terry McLaurin can Jahan Dotson take a step forward yeah. and in his opinion if all of the ifs like if you got the most positive outcome of those things, he thought they could compete for the division. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't go that far, but I think that all of those ifs are extremely interesting. Yeah, yeah. I would agree that all the ifs are extremely interesting. We will go into a little bit more detail later when we talk about the win ranges for this team. But like, there is a lot to be excited about with this team. I think I agree. Uh, My biggest storyline for the NFC East is can the Eagles avoid the Super Bowl hangover, the proverbial Super Bowl hangover. So uh, the Eagles were excellent last year. They were 14 and three. Uh, They dominated the NFC in the playoffs on their way to the Super Bowl, uh, a game, a Super Bowl that they easily could have won. Yeah. They were like right there with the Chiefs, man. I, 
I rewatched some of the highlights from that. And God, if I was a Philly fan, you know, we suck. Oh, there would just be so many like, Oh God. It's like, if that one play went differently, yeah, they could have won, but that, you know, that's how Super Bowls are sometimes is that there's five plays. And if one of them goes different, you win the game, but that's just not how it plays out. Yeah. So they lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs. Only eight teams in NFL history have made a Super Bowl after losing it the previous year. And of those eight, only three have won the Super Bowl. The goal for Philly, obviously, this year is to win the Super Bowl after coming so close last year. They return a lot of talent. Uh, and that's kind of the case for them this year is that they bring back almost all of their significant offensive pieces. Jalen Hurts is more experienced. You have AJ mm-hmm. Brown and Devonta Smith. You know, you replace, not that they like to use Miles Sanders very much anyway, but they replace him with some talented backs. Uh, yeah. The, the concern though, is that they lose significant pieces on defense, uh, two starting yeah. linebackers and both safeties. So Currently number one in the NFC in odds to win the NFC uh, at plus 330. San Francisco is behind them at plus 400, and Dallas is right behind that at plus 600. Looking at the NFC, I don't know who beats them right now. I'm not saying and I'm picking them to make the Super Bowl again, but I just, like, first glance, I don't know who takes this team down, but it is so rare and so hard to get back to the peak of the mountain when you just got knocked off last year. Yeah. I mean, I think that is part of the fun part of this year is like, if you've paid any attention to the NFL over the last couple of decades, like there's going to be a team that emerges. That's a real threat. And you just don't know who it is yet. Uh, Oh, I know. I know who it is, but that's not for this week's podcast. <laughs> there's there's so many darts that you can throw at this point in the year. And like that's that's what makes this period right before the season starts so fun is that like all your theories are valid up until real actual games are played. <laughs> like one of the concerns with how they addressed probably their biggest loss on offense in Miles Sanders, right? Is that, like, in in a vacuum, like, yeah, replacing his production with multiple guys makes sense. However, when you're replacing that production with DeAndre Swift, and Rashad Penny, two guys who are famously known for staying on the field all the time, right? Like <laughs> Iron so, Man. Iron Man at the running back yeah, position. So it, I understand that they were taking a swing, right? They're, they're swinging for the fences on those guys because if they are healthy, just as good, if not better, than Miles Sanders. But if what you expect to happen happens, then you are leaning on Kenneth Gainwell and Boston Scott as your running backs. Or heaven forbid, Trey Sermon has to get on the field. Hey, if they're as long as they're playing the Giants, they can ride Boston Scott all day. Oh yeah, he's the giant killer, which is he's awesome. Good for two games a year. That's hey, 
as a Lions fan, if I told you you could have a running back who was going to absolutely dominate the Packers twice a year? Oh, I'd absolutely take it. You'd 100% take that. So. It's like, this is there's there's a reason why, like, yeah, like, Marvin Jones is all over the hill, but we play the Vikings twice this year. And you know how many touchdowns he's going to score? He's going to score, like, four. He's going to have four touchdowns on the season. They're all going to be in two games. Do you, you know, we always joked about Sirianni hating Miles Sanders on this podcast. It wasn't a joke for me. Do you know? <laughs> Guess how many rushing yards Miles Sanders had last year without looking it up? Because I, I was surprised. I'm going to guesstimate it's around 1,100. It was actually 12. It was like 1,265. Okay. It was more than I remember yeah. him having because he was on my fantasy team mm-hmm. last year, both of them. Yeah. And I kind of remembered like, oh, yeah, he had a couple games that were like yeah. insane. It was just like the highs and the lows were what drove you crazy. So, yeah, I mean, when when you feed him and you're calling running plays that suit his strengths, he's so explosive. And I just could never wrap my head around why Nick Sirianni didn't just keep feeding him. The honestly the best thing last year was that we talked about it all season how much Sirianni hated Sanders and then they get to the biggest stage the Super Bowl and Sanders yeah. touched the ball like four times total it's like yeah yeah there it is everybody else can see it now so yeah it'll be really interesting to see how they bounce back like I said I yeah the biggest threat to them mm-hmm. right now just like on paper is probably the 49ers but we're going to talk about why the 49ers are actually yeah. not a threat to them in a couple weeks. I don't want to step on that, but right. uh, yeah, but I mean, it's real tough to beat a team when they're able to run out Darius Slay and Bradbury out there as, as corners who like, yeah, you can point to them and say like, well, look at their age. Like every year now they're kind of, at risk of falling off that cliff. But at least in the case of Darius Slay, like I'm not sure that cliff is coming. Cause we started talking about the cliff potentially coming like four years ago. Yeah, I mean you didn't even mention Avante Maddox that Yeah, like that's a really high quality nickel. Yeah. Like <laughs> I mean it's pretty much like they have really good corners and then they have like 10 guys from Georgia on their defense. So yeah. Um be really interesting to see how they do this year, though, replacing uh, both the Mike and the Will linebacker and then both mm-hmm. both safeties as well. I mean, they're not replacing them with scrubs, but like when you lose that much talent on your defense, it is tough to replicate what you did the year before. Let's go on to the win ranges. Uh, and I'll let you go first, then I'll tell you what mine were. I actually put mine in alphabetical order this week, too. Good job. <laughs> I think. We'll find out. <laughs> God. Uh, so starting with the Dallas Cowboys, uh, I have them anywhere from seven to ten wins. I personally am leaning closer to seven. That team is solely riding on the merit of their defense right now in my opinion. 
picking up Brandon Cooks is great and all. However, they lost Kellen Moore, who is one of the best offensive coordinators in the NFL. Lost a little bit of his luster because he's been stuck with Mike McCarthy. But they've clearly downgraded there. I haven't seen it from back since really he got hurt that one year when he was just killing it. Like he just isn't that guy where I'm like, yeah, he's going to go out there and he's going to be a killer. And if you are not going to have a play caller that can elevate your talent, then your quarterback's got to be a killer. And he's not it. And he's playing in a very, very difficult division where every team has a defense that is absolutely going to come for him. This is going to be a good one to track this season because we have a hard disagree right off the bat. So your range was 7 to 10. Yeah. My, my range is 10 to 12 for Dallas. It's mostly because like this is who Dallas is is that they win double digit games every season and then they get embarrassed in like the first or second round of the playoffs against a team that they should easily beat. And like that that's the destiny of the Dallas Cowboys. We see it every single year. They win like between 10 and 12 games. The Dallas Cowboy fans get all hyped up and they're like this is our season and then they get beat by like the 49ers or the 49ers, or the 49ers. (laughs) It seems like whenever they play the fucking 49ers, they can't beat them in the playoffs. I mean, they can't beat any competent team in the playoffs. Let's Uh, be real honest about that. But I just, I'm, I'm not buying that their offense is going to be competent this year, especially given that like Mike McCarthy basically scapegoated Kellen Moore. And what that tells me is that Mike McCarthy is going to play a stronger role in the offense this year, which is bad. Yeah. I think the more involved that Mike McCarthy is in anything, the worse off you are. Uh, But I, I mean, I just think the talent is there on both sides of the ball. Like Dak is fine. You know, he's a top 15 quarterback probably. But like I like that, Cooks. That's encouraging. Yeah, I mean, it's better than not having a top 15 quarterback. It's the probably part that, you, that makes it not encouraging. Well, he's he's the second best quarterback in his division. Like, I'd rather have him than Sam Howell or Daniel Jones going into the season. I'm not predicting anything like crazy from either of these guys. We'll see if anyone feels that way at the end of the year because – He's definitely had some real rough looking stretches. I was waiting for your hot take to be like Daniel Jones, 4,000 passing, 1,000 <laughs> rushing. <laughs> that that would make Bears fans so mad because they haven't had a 4,000 yard passer ever. And then Daniel Jones does it. <laughs> we may have to look up what Daniel Jones MVP odds are and see how they compare to Justin Fields. Just for the Chicago fans. Uh, So you have 7 to 10 for Dallas. I have 10 to 12. The over-under is 9.5 in Vegas. I think that's fair. Yeah. So I think that that's somewhere, give or take a game, like that's where they end up probably. They're like right 
in the middle of us. So uh, yeah. who who's next? Okay, next up is the New York Giants. The Giants were a weird team last year. They were like Vikings light last year. You know, like they just, they didn't seem like they should have won as many games as they did, but they just kept winning games. But Brian Dable is clearly a fantastic coach. And they definitely added more talent to that roster. So I have them between eight and 11 wins. Still think nine is probably the most realistic answer, but um, I can see how if Daniel Jones takes a step forward, they could easily wind up in double digits. I I feel like we're just going to have hard disagrees on all of the teams in this division. So I said four to eight for the Giants. (laughs) They were seven and two at one point last year with like it you're right they were like vikings light yeah where they were just like barely winning all these games they actually ended up nine seven and one last year with a negative point differential i think they were one of the only teams with a negative point differential to make the playoffs in uh quite some time the schedule for them coming out of the gate this year is absolutely brutal i don't know if you've looked at it but they're they start home versus Dallas. They go to Arizona, which should be an easy win. But then they go to San Francisco, home for Seattle, at Miami, at Buffalo, before going Washington and then the Jets. Like, this is not the same schedule they had last year where they're going to get to this like seven and two record without, like, with barely winning games by any points at all. And then they completely collapse down the stretch last year and end up nine and seven after being seven and two. Yeah, I mean, I obviously you and I have strongly different opinions on like how good Dallas is going to be. And I mean, if they start off 1 and 0 like that definitely like changes the trajectory of how the rest of that stuff goes. Cuz if you can start off 2 and 0, I mean, statistically speaking, your season goes a hell of a lot better. We'll see. I think there's a good chance that they start the season 1 and 6. Like if they lose that Dallas game and they beat Arizona, San Francisco, Seattle, Miami, and Buffalo might all be losses. So I guess that's I one that's one in five. Disagree with that. And I quite frankly, I I don't think we are valuing the the additions that they've made the same way. Uh I think their roster is much better this year than it was last year. And week one. One of the biggest components as to like whether or not a team is going to win is like who's going in with a better coaching staff. And I don't think that's even close. So uh, I think how, how they start the season is probably a reflection of Brian Dable. That's fair. But I still look at the roster and I'm like, okay, so we're throwing the ball to Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton, and Paris Campbell. Yeah, that, Darren that, Waller for five games. That's definitely the concern on the team is the wide receiver spot. Now, the wild card there is Jalen Hyatt. If Jalen Hyatt actually comes out and is legit, that changes the trajectory of everyone else 
in that receiving core. Yeah, it's it's a big if though for a guy who can only run in the straight line. Reports on what he's looked like in camp say a lot else about him. Yeah, you know those those team beat writers. No bias in their writing. So, all right, who is next? Is it Philadelphia? Yes, Philadelphia Eagles are next. Uh, Ten to thirteen. I don't think that there's a ton else that really needs to be said. <laughs> They're really good at football, and they have a lot of talent. Dear God, that fucking defense. Yeah, we we're in the exact same spot on this one. Actually, I said eleven to thirteen. Uh, the over under is eleven and a half. This season, it's one of the higher over unders that we have. I, I mean, they won fourteen games last year. There was a lot of questions about their schedule last year and about like all the teams they were playing. And then they went into the playoffs and whooped ass. And people still had questions going into the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, we were sitting there going, ah, Jalen Hurts. I don't know. We're gonna find out. <laughs> uh, but I think the Super Bowl showed everything that it. You know, they played Kansas City extremely tight. Could have, should have, would have won that game and didn't. You're still questioning Jalen Hurts after that game. I mean, like, maybe you can question, like, his grip strength or (laughs) if he's, like, eating too much popcorn on the sidelines, but that's about it. Ball security, Jalen. I forgot to mention the over-under for the Giants is seven and a half as well. So Vegas is picking him to be an under 500 team. It's still closer to what I was saying. Than you did. <laughs> hey, seven to seven and a half is within four to eight. We're in there. Last one is the Washington Fighting Georges. I'm curious what you have here. I have eight to eleven. I think that there's enough talent on that roster for them to eke out being close to five hundred. If Sam Howell isn't quite what they were hoping for. I think we saw enough late last year that we can't really expect him to be an unmitigated disaster. If he can play to the level that you would hope to see in that offense, then I think they can absolutely win double-digit games. And Eric Vianney coming over from Kansas City who uses a lot of RPOs, which is exactly what he did in college. Like it, there is potential for that to happen. I think most likely we're still seeing eight to nine wins, but the potential of 10 to 11 is definitely there. I think they got a lot of talent on that team. Yeah, I was more conservative than you. I said seven to nine. I I put them about 500 because, like I said earlier, there's just a lot of ifs with them. Yeah. It's like if Sam Howell's good, if B enemy's good without yeah. uh, Andy Reid, if, if, if. Mm-hmm. And it's like when I have to have like 10 things go right to win the division or I can just like have the Eagles and the Eagles, I'm just like, okay, the Eagles are really good. Yeah. Like, right. I don't have 75 ifs with them. Well, uh, I think there there's a reason why, like, we are much more bullish on the Eagles than any other team in this division. Yes. I think the idea that 
the Cowboys will be on their tails in that race is outlandish. But <laughs> yeah, so I we'll see. I think like when you have all these ifs, you can kind of assume like let's say you know fifty percent of them go Washington's way. Yeah, we'll say like oh yeah, Eric Bieniemy turns out he's pretty good, but Sam Howell like needs more time or like he's not that great. Yeah. I see them around 500 ish again. They were eight, eight yeah. and one last year. I could see them winning nine games. Yeah. Like, I think they finish ahead of the giants. I'll, I'll say that. So, uh, what is your boldy bold for this division? Terry McLaurin is going to rack up at least 1400 yards and eight touchdowns minimum. Yeah, I, I'll call that a bold prediction. Yeah, I mean, they, I think that's like what two hundred above his career high. Yeah, he's his career high was last year actually one thousand one hundred ninety one. Okay, he's never had yeah. more than seven touchdowns. So fourteen hundred and eight, yeah. especially in an offense that has a lot of questions surrounding yeah. it at quarterback and offensive coordinator. I'll give that to you. Yeah, I I just think that uh, he's going to be the featured weapon. And I think that ramps up what he's going to do. And if they aren't winning, they're going to be throwing to him a lot more. So that's fair. Uh, My bold prediction for this division is Kenneth Gainwell leads the Eagles in rushing this season. There's been a couple stories so far this season about how he's going to be the feature back, even with like Penny and Swift in there. I think you got like Jalen's legs. You got these other running backs. You got Boston Scott, who's going to steal touches. I think Kenny G is going to be the man in Philly this season. I think he's the lead back in that backfield. I'm willing to give it to you if you give me a yardage total that's worth it. But I think that that should be what's expected, given the guys that are also on that roster. Kenny G, a thousand rushing yards this season. Okay, I would have probably given it to you for eight, but (laughs) (laughs) But a thousand, a thousand, it is. All right, I love me some Kenny G. Oh, I know you do. I do so much. He's never had more than 200 yards rushing in a season. So. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like a thousand <laughs> yards is plenty. Uh, real bold. Real bold, baby. But actually, I think like a thousand total yards for him is probably more realistic, but we'll stick with the thousand rushing and see where we go. I I don't know, like, you know, Swift and Penny, how many games they're going to play. You're obviously yeah. going to have Jalen or rush for 700 yards, but there's... Yeah. A lot of opportunity in that backfield now with Sanders gone. And there's been reports, man, that Kenny's going to be the guy. Uh, Swift and Penny played in the first preseason game. Kenny did not. So we will see. Uh, I'm guessing that we have the same division winner. Cowboys, no. Uh, <laughs> Eagles. After I spent like the last 20 minutes just trashing the Cowboys. <laughs> Trying to throw us all off the scent of your Cowboys no, pick. I'm fully in on the Eagles. Don't really think there's a real threat to unseat them in the division, personally. I think the NFL, you have Super Bowl windows as a team where 
you have like a three to four year period where you can win a Super Bowl and then you kind of have yeah. to rebuild and start loading up for the next one. Yeah. Uh, I think the Eagles are in year two of that window. We'll see if it's like a three year or four year window, but I, I think that they're a legitimate threat, even though they lost the Super Bowl last year, mm-hmm. uh, to make it back and potentially win it this season as well. Yeah. And I mean, another thing that we didn't really touch on with them too is like they lost both both of their coordinators from last year too. So is there a drop off? I know that they kept they replaced them with internal guys. So that can definitely help with like terminology and keeping things, you know, current, but you know, they they still gotta call plays on game day. So Yep, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, they should just bring in George's offensive coordinator. They're just picking up the rest of the team. Why not? Uh, but that is it for us. As always, Fouled Out can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast. You can hit us up on Twitter at Fouled Out Sports. You can find Matt on... Actually, it's X now. It's not Twitter anymore. So you can find I Matt... I refuse to acknowledge <laughs> that, though. You can find Matt on X. How, like, how much is X just like... It just sounds like something like a 13-year-old kid would name something. You know? They're just like, I'm gonna call it X. Yeah. But you can find know. you can find Matt on that app at Matador underscore defense. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Join us on Saturday for our AFC East preview, talking about the division where my favorite team, the New England Patriots, resides. Uh, I'm gonna be very interested to see how far apart we are on some of those teams. Cause like I didn't expect us to be that far apart in the NFC East and turned out (laughs) we had some significant disagreements. So uh, I think one team in particular in the AFC East is going to share that same fate. That one's going to be interesting, especially uh, given how I know how you feel about your team. Uh, It'll be interesting to see if we're, closer than i think or if we are just miles apart 17 and 0 baby the bill belichick revenge tour <laughs> starts here all right we'll see you guys on saturday for the afc east matt i will yeah. see you later bye guys all right bye guys bye, bye, bye mom. Bye.